Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. You know, as as I'm baptizing um, Clara and and Lillian right then, I'm reminded of the series that we've been in um, for this whole summer. We've been in 1 Samuel. Now, you might be like, wait, how does that connect? Well, here's the question that's been in kind of in front of us with the people of Israel, and it, kind of, it keeps coming up over and over again. And the question um, that, that we have been taken and kind of applied to us in different ways throughout this series is, are you serious about following Jesus? These girls have just said publicly in front of everyone, we're serious about this. Um, we want this sign placed on us. We are serious about following Jesus. Right? Are you serious about following Jesus? And see, that's the question that has continued to come up uh, for the people of Israel in, this, in these chapters we've looked at in the last six weeks. Are you serious about following the Lord? And if you've been with us or, or picked up in pieces of it along the way, maybe even watching online, one of the things that you're, you, we've heard over and over and over again if, is that if Israel is honest in their answer, if they're honest based on their actions, based on their leadership, what, was, what would their answer be? <laughs> No, we are not very serious about following the Lord. In fact, in fact, we kind of view the Lord as a lucky charm, or we, or we view the Lord as um, uh, someone to play games with, or we view the Lord as a means to an end. And that's kind of been the theme that's been unpacked over the last few weeks. How did that work out for Israel? That approach to God for Israel, if I can summarize it, we've we've talked about it a lot, but if I can summarize it, how did that work out for Israel? Not too good. It did not work out well for them. And if you remember, um, the ark that was a symbol of the presence of the Lord had been carried off um, to the fillet. The Israelites were trusting in themselves. They were defeated. It was carried off into uh, into captivity um, uh, with the Philistines. Then the Lord, without any help from Israel, the Lord worked to get the ark back, made the Philistines send it back. The, The ark comes back, and now it's been lodging. If you remember from the end of John's, Pastor John's sermon last week, it's been lodging in Kiriath Jerom. Um, they're in the house of Abinadab, and, and the son, his son Eliezer had been consecrated by the priest to take care of it. Right? Why is all that important? Well, it's all important because we come to the, the last verse that he read last week and, and taught on last week is chapter 7, verse 2, and this is very key to the key context to what we're going to read today. So we're going to go back to that for just a minute. Chapter 7, verse 2, it says, From the day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath-Jerim, a long time passed, Some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And so for this 20 years, only the people in the immediate area of Kiriath-Jerim, not all of Israel, but only the people there seemed to be having the blessing of God's presence with them. No one else was having that. And after some some time, and I think it's after Samuel, so, so notice this, 20 years, if we just read that real fast, like we often do with our Bibles, we we miss that, Right? In half a sentence, 20 years passed. Right? Half a sentence. 20 years goes by. What, what's going on in that 20 years? What is Samuel doing in that 20 years? You know, he's kind of the key to this whole thing. What, what's he doing in that 20 years? Well, 
The Bible doesn't tell us exactly. I do think verses 15 through 17 that we'll read in a minute kind of get to that. I think he was doing the same thing then that he's doing after um, what we read today. And that as he was going around and he was judging the people of Israel and he was telling them um, that they needed to turn to the Lord. We also know that because what have we seen about Samuel every time he pops up in the last six chapters? Right? First, he was dedicated to the Lord. It says he ministered to the Lord. He served the Lord. Um, he was in the presence of the Lord. He heard the voice of the Lord. And it says that um, he grew in the wisdom and stature between God and man. Right? That's what we've seen about Samuel up until this point. Now, 20 years past, we assume during that time he is faithfully going to the people of Israel telling them that they need to turn to the Lord, they need to repent and turn to the Lord because he's their hope. And now we come this morning to this place where it seems that they have done so, that they are now crying out, lamenting and in sorrow, and God uses Samuel here to speak uh, to his people. So 1 Samuel chapter 7, we're going to read verses 3 through 17. And as we do so, I remind you that this is God's word. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the ashtoreth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the bells and the ashtoreth, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath, and Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there. And there also he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. As we prepare to continue, let let me just pray for just a moment. 
Lord, you tell us that your word does not return void. So Lord, we invite you by the power of your Holy Spirit to take your word and Lord, with it to convict our hearts where we need to turn to you. And with it, Lord, that you would remind your people of all that you have done. Be an encouragement, be a hope, we pray. Lord, I ask that you would speak through the preparation in my heart, but Lord, that as necessary, you'd speak around it, that your name might be exalted. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Samuel, after the lamenting is heard, Samuel comes and he preaches a short sermon, way shorter than the one I'm going to preach today. Okay? And he comes and he preaches a short sermon, very simple, very clear. Look at verse 3. This is how it's introduced. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, he's drawing attention to the lamenting and mourning, and then he gets straight to the point, continuing in verse 3 in the middle. If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart. What Samuel's saying here is, okay, I hear the lamenting. God hears the lamenting. He hears the sorrow in the morning. If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, or said like we ask it this morning, if you are serious about following the Lord, if you are serious about following the Lord, then you need to listen. For us today, if you are serious about following Jesus, then as we go through the rest of this chapter, there are going to be principles that can be applied to us. Because here's the reality. The Israelites, we're going to see, actually are serious. And they respond in some ways that give us five principles that help us if we are serious about following Jesus. The first one is that if you are serious about that, you will return to the Lord with all your heart. Look at 3b, uh, the middle of, of verse 3 again. If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashereth from among you. This is a picture of what repentance looks like. Often, you know, I think maybe you're like I have been in my past. Often we think of repentance as saying I'm sorry. Right? Is saying, I'm sorry, but, but we talked about this in the adult portion of family Bible camp. But repentance is, you're going in one direction. God shows you that that direction is sin. And you repent, and as you repent, that doesn't mean that you just say, I'm sorry, and keep going. Repent means to turn and to go back in the other direction. But even that's not uh, aimless wandering. That's going back to the Lord, going back to Jesus. It doesn't mean that we won't find ourselves again moving in that same direction we were and that we need to repent again, but it is an intentional turning from because we see that it is sin and we turn to following Jesus. That's repentance. The people of Israel here, though, they had been lamenting and crying out to God in sorrow but what, is, what, what God is calling out through Samuel is they were still living with and incorporating the foreign gods and the asterisk. We use the phrase around here a lot, like they were still living in unrepentant sin, 
Like God had made clear to them what he expected, and yet they didn't seem to care. They continued to live in unrepentant sin. And for them, that specific sin um, can be seen when we know a little bit more about these bells. It says far in God's verse 4 clarifies that it's bells and asterisk, all right? These little, the, the, um, the picture here, the, the bell was the crop God, right? So having all the, the blessings and all the, the, um, the, the material things they needed, and he was the supreme male God. The Ashtoreth here was the female goddess and was the goddess of the fertility cult, okay? And so what he's telling them now is, you're still mixing those things in, and what the Canaanites were, were known for was mixing this, this idea of just having everything they wanted and pleasure and having all these, these things and having this, being able to take that, take the um, fertility goddess, right? So the, the physical pleasures, the sexual indulgences and take all that and combine it together with religious duty and devotion. Right? And so it was appealing and it was all mixed together. And the Israelites were mixing it together with following the Lord. God said, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. If you are serious about following me, then you need to acknowledge this as sin. You need to repent. And you need to run from it and run to me as many times as it takes. Now, it's not hard to apply that, is it? It's important for us. You know, we live in a culture that idolizes both material things and we live in a culture that idolizes physical pleasure and idolizes experiences. This is also important in a Christian subculture that has bought into some of those lies. And he says, well, those things are kind of for the old days. Those things are kind of outdated. It's okay, I know other Christians who are doing it and, and they seem fine. But I also want to say that this principle extends, yes, those things specifically, but it also extends to anything that God calls sin. We are to be continually running from it and running to the Lord with all our heart. That leads to the second thing that will be growing in our lives if we're serious about following Jesus. And that second thing is, is that you will direct your heart to the Lord and serve Him only. That's the third part of verse 3. Direct your heart to the Lord and serve Him only. How do you know if you're doing that? Here are some questions just to think about. Do you acknowledge that there is one God and one God only? Do you believe that he is God and that you are not? It gets a little per more personal there, right? Now let me take that a little further. Do you submit to what he says is best for his people and his word even when you wish he had said something different? even when you think you know a better way. This is what God through Samuel is calling the people of Israel to. And it's what God through Samuel is calling us to. 
We are called to serve Him and Him only. And so our hearts, yeah, by the way, this isn't easy. So if you're sitting there like, oh, yay, okay, good. No, it's not easy, right? It's not an easy thing to do. Our hearts need to be directed again and again to the fact that He is the one true God and that He is the one we serve. And why is it not easy? It's not easy because we find ourselves absorbing what culture says and we follow the the remaining sinfulness of our own hearts. But what we need to do is anytime we find what God says, in his word, to be in contradiction to what we're absorbing from our culture or what our own hearts are telling us, you know, the whole be true to yourself. Yourself can be a liar because you still have sin in you. No, we need to be true to what God's word says. And we need to turn to him with our whole heart. But what's neat here is as Samuel preaches, you know, sometimes as a preacher, you're like, whoo, As he preaches, guess what happens? The people repent. The people repent. The people turn. And how do we know that? We see it through their action. That's the third thing that we'll see if if our lives are growing in the seriousness about following Jesus. Action will follow your repentance. The first action we see here is in verse 4. They put away the bells and the asterisk and served the Lord only. They listened to the word of God, they heard what he said, and they put away the bells and the asterisk. Now, we say put away, and you know, we kind of think of what, put away our toys. Maybe we put them up on the shelf in the closet, um, and, and they stay there until they're convenient for us again, and kind of you know, back and forth. This put away means to discard, to throw out, to destroy. They were serious about following the Lord, and so they put away these things. Their action followed their repentance. But then he gives another set of instructions here. And we see in the way they respond um, what what this looks like. He he tells them in verse 5 to gather to pray. All right, and then in verse 6, we see that they fast. And then in verse 7, we see, or or the second half of verse 6, we see that they acknowledge their sin. And and the, the phraseology here is they say, We have sinned against the Lord, is they're doing this out loud, publicly, corporately. All right, I meet with people all the time who look at me and say, well, Tim, I mean, I know we need to pray and we need to fast, we need to confess our sin, but what can we do? I'm like, pray and fast and confess our sin. Yeah, 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 but but what do we do? We live in a Western culture where this seems, the, the prayer, the fasting, Confess our sin. It seems mundane at times, but it's what he's called us to. It is the action that follows our repentance. Why? Well, let me tell you what those three things do. Prayer. Prayer is saying, I cannot accomplish this, so I'm coming to a God who can and who will do what he said he will do. Prayer says, I can't do this myself. Fasting. Fasting, part of that is acknowledging that everything I need is supplied by the Lord. And I need to remember that. 
And so in the discipline of fasting, we're turned back to everything I need is from him. And then confessing our sin. It's important that I lay my sin before the Lord individually. It's important that I, oh, sorry. It's important that I lay my sin before the Lord. It's important that you lay your sin before the Lord. And it's important that we lay our sin before the Lord. Why? Because it reminds us that it's ultimately against God that we have sinned. And it's ultimately God and him alone who can take that sin away, who can pay for it through his son. It reminds us of the fourth thing we will grow in when we're serious about following Jesus, and that is we will run to our intercessor. It's a big biblical word, right? What does it mean? For Israel, Samuel was the intercessor. Um, But listen to what he does, and I think it'll sound familiar. Uh, First, Samuel judged, right? Now, we hear the word judge. We see that in verse 6, and Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. When we hear the word judge, we think of it, most, most often we only think of it in the negative sense, right? And it, that's part of it, um, and part of the, it's, it's a right sense, but it's part of it. And, and it's that for those who did not return to the Lord, who continued their own way, it means that they would be judged according to the law. They would receive the consequences of that. Now, we often stop there. That is, again, a huge part of it. But we stop there and miss the positive and beautiful side of biblical judgment and what that means. Because we need to understand that for the followers of God, for the followers of Jesus, they, we, are assured in God's name, upon repentance, that there is pardon for our sin. that we have been reconciled to God through the work of the intercessor. So in his judging of the people of Israel, Samuel was interceding for them as they returned to the Lord. And we see that even more clearly in verses 8 through 9. I'm going to read that for us. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now just, just breathe for a minute, because I want you to think about this picture for a second. All right? The people of Israel have come. They did not come to Samuel at Mizpah prepared for battle. They did not bring weapons. They did not bring, there's nothing about that going on. They came to do what? to pray, to fast, to confess their sins. They came to worship the Lord, to to turn back to him together. And while they're there, the Philistines see this as a grand opportunity. It says they they heard that the people of Israel had gathered together, and so they came up against Israel. And Israel looks around and sees the Philistines and says, Samuel, hey, Samuel, do you see what's going on here? Pray to God for us that he may save us. And so Samuel 
offers a nursing lamb. That should make you think of something to come. He also offers a nursing lamb, a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And he cries out to the Lord for Israel. What's he doing there? He's saying it's only in the work of the Lord that you will be saved. He showed them that only the Lord can save them. And then watch what happens in verse 10. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. Without weapons they would normally have used, only with the prayer and the fasting and the work of the intercessor were they delivered. And how did that deliverance come? We see this throughout Scripture in different places, but it came with the thundering of the word of the Lord. He brought the deliverance, and there could be no doubt, no mistaking, that it was through him and him alone. Again, apply that to our hearts, to our situations. The greatest challenge that every one of us face in this life, that is the need to approach a holy God, cannot be overcome by cunning, by wit, by great programs, by experience, by best practices, or even by good religious moral values. The Bible tells us here and in many other places that we need an intercessor. The people ran to Samuel as their intercessor, asking him to work on their behalf, but we have an intercessor as well. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who is it? Jesus. His name is Jesus. And just in case you're like, whoo, that seems like a leap. Let me at least say it's not a leap for God's word. In Hebrews 7.25, tying all the stuff in the Old Testament pointing forward to Jesus to come, taking all the, the things from the Gospels, it pulls it all together and it says this. Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. When does Jesus make intercession for his people? Sometimes. Always lives to make intercession for his people. For those who come to him in faith. And that leads us finally, and this is a short one, to the fifth thing that will grow if we're, as we seriously follow Jesus. And that is that you will remember, we will remember again and again what God has done. In verse 12, Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer, for he said, till now the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer, the word um, translated here, means stone of help. Right? But it's the, it's the phrase till now that I want to focus on for just a second. This till now, this, this listen there, so till now the Lord has helped us. What he's doing there is he's pointing backward. And he's saying throughout the history of the people of Israel, 
crossing the, you know, being delivered out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, just et cetera, et cetera, up until this point. Till now, the Lord has helped us. You know, for us, we're on this side, right? We're on the side where Jesus has already come. Those of us who professed faith in him, who follow him, we are able to say, till now the Lord has helped us. He might not have done everything the way we wanted him to do it. He might not have, um, he, he may have surprised us in some things, but till now the Lord has helped us, always interceding for us. But anytime, like in, in our life, if you here today said, till now, right? If you said, till now, there's more time to come, right? It may be a second, it may be minutes, hours, weeks, years, you get, you get the point. Till now, also in the context of this passage, refers to what's to come. Till now, the Lord has helped us. And because of his character and who he is, he will continue to help and always intercede for his people. When does that end? Well, it doesn't. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says... Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will do it. What does that mean? We don't believe that anyone is fully sanctified until we're glorified and that means until we're in heaven. So till now means all the time past, but it means that that will extend until we are face-to-face with Jesus in the new heavens and new earth. Till now is also a promise. He will always intercede for his people. And we need to remember that. Israel set up a stone, right? And there are lots of ways that we remember that together. But I believe the most clear way you know, we, we read about what he's done in his word and we, we do this. One thing he has given us to do often, it says in scripture, and we believe that means weekly with a few small exceptions, is that we come to the Lord's table. I tell students all the time and children when they're coming and they're talking about their own sin and their need for Jesus, I, I tell them like, why do you think we do the Lord's Supper every week? They think it's a trick question usually. Kind of look at me. Tell them, you know, we do it every week because you may not hear everything that I or Pastor John or Pastor Mark says in a sermon. You may not understand it all. Maybe because you were thinking about what you were going to eat after church or maybe because you were thinking about what you had to do. All these things. You may not get it all. But you cannot miss what Jesus has done in the Lord's Supper. So I have people tell me sometimes, but Pastor Tim, like when we, when we come to the Lord's Supper every week, it loses some of its meaning. I've actually looked at someone before and said, baloney. If it loses some of its meaning, it's an issue of our hearts. This is the most beautiful picture of what God has done. And I need to remember that over and over and over again, and so do you. 
Because he reminds us not just in our heads, but he's spiritually present and he does work in our hearts. And so we need to come to it again and again and again. And so I want to invite you to come to it today. But in preparation to come, I want to ask you today to first, if God's showing you any of those places that you need to turn to repent and, and run back to him because you know he's shown you sin and you're going in that direction, you need to turn Take a few minutes and, and share that before him and ask him to do that in you. But then after you do that, as we, as we prepare, I want you to also, I want to challenge you to also say today, Lord, thank you for what you've done. Help me remember that in my heart, in my mind today. Thank you for what you've done. Take a few minutes of silent prayer and I'll bring us together for his table. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.